Hello, everybody! Hello! Hi! And welcome to this week's episode of Thoroughly Unqualified, a thoroughly delightful podcast in which three adult siblings uh, talk about life, relationships, and the various difficulties that go on uh, between them, even though we are all quite single and have little to no idea of what we are talking about. I am Jeff, I'm the youngest. I'm Chris, I'm in the middle. I'm Nikki, I'm the oldest. And that's who we are. Goodbye. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I Shortest thought... It... Episode ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Um, I thought it would be a fun way to start. I was I was put in charge of coming up with a segment. Um, and I found a list of uh, first date questions um, mm. that I thought might be interesting. So I picked some of the... Uh, more interesting ones and we'll just go run through a few of them and see what happens we're gonna answer we're gonna answer them yeah we'll just you know a little discussion prompt nothing too fancy about it okay Um, okay so number one what was the last book you read without skipping through anything i have to go get my kindle (laughs) as i see chris frantically looking at his room like do i own any books (laughs) i do um i'm not finished with this current book uh so i think ready player one was the last book i read to completion I gave that to you for Christmas like three years ago. (laughs) Two years ago. Yeah, I don't read a lot. (laughs) I am am reading something called Future Value, which is about baseball and scouting. But I'm not done with it, so. Yeah, I'm I'm currently reading a biography of Ulysses S. Grant, which is like this thick, for uh, those of you who can't see me, which is all of you, um, I'm holding my fingers about two and a half inches apart. Um, And so I'm working my way through that. The last one I read cover to cover was Education of an Idealist by Samantha Power, former uh, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, which is a good book. Highly recommend it. All right. So the last one I read in full, I'm in the middle of like three books right now. The last one I finished, it's called Eligible, and it's a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. I think this last (laughs) question has told you a lot about all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Because yep. <laughs> I think all those books are sort of emblematic as well. Um, I will I say read a very diverse collection yeah. of books, but it, really, it. it's only been in the past eight months or so that I've picked up reading for pleasure again. Because college, I was a history major, and you just read so much, and I didn't even read half of what I was supposed to, as most people yeah. do in college. High um, school ruined I, reading for me, yeah, and I still just read so much. Um, and then I wrote a thesis, which also was just reading, 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 reading all the time, and so I really wasn't interested in it, but. I've picked up a few good books recently, and that's been uh, good. All right. Um, what is the weirdest scar you have, and how did you get it? Well, I have a few now, but I think the weirdest one is the one on my non-surgery knee that looks like a slug that I got in the um, after-school like daycare place Chris and I used to go to. Jeff, you were not born yet. Nope. It was called Pitter- Pitter-Patter Preschool. Mm-hmm. Our parents shout, both out, shout out to our fans of Peter Patter. Yeah. And uh, I was playing tag. I think I was like five or six. I was playing tag. Tripped over a tree root and just a sharp rock just went like straight into my knee. I definitely should have had stitches. Definitely didn't. They just like put a band-aid on it. Sent me on my merry way. And then the I just remember um, that night mom was like, was, well, one furious because she was like, they should have taken you to the ER because this definitely needed stitches, but at that point it was too late. And then she, like, took off my sock, and it was just, like, crusted with all the blood that had, like, dripped down my leg <laughs> from this, like, gaping wound. But now I have a very large scar that looks like a slug. 
on my knee. And then I have a bunch I of rem- other scars on my other that. knee. Oh yeah. From I'm familiar with my that knee scar. surgery. Yeah. yeah. And the one and, on my chin yeah. from the the sledding incident we talked about a couple podcast yeah. episodes ago. <laughs> I was like, I have a bunch of scars that are surgery related. I think none of them are particularly interesting. I had the smiley face scar on my elbow from when I had Tommy John surgery. I think the most interesting scar I have, though, which is not surgery related, um, it was drunk in college related. Oh, I know this story. Which is more fun. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a weekend. I'm out, out on the town doing doing drunk college things um, because college. And I was really hungry. So me and my friend are like, let's go get food. There's a place called Sheets in Pennsylvania. It's the best. It's bomb. So we're like, all right, let's, I guess we'll walk there. And it's, I don't know, maybe a mile. It's not that far. Um, but we're hungry and stupid and drunk. So we're like, let's take a shortcut. It's not really a shortcut. In order to actually make it a shortcut, you have to climb over like a 10-foot high fence. Oh, God. So naturally, I'm like, yeah, I'll just do it. This is fine. Um, get up and over, seemingly without incidents. My friend had found some other way around, I guess. I'm not actually sure where he went, but we have ended up ended up meeting up on the other side somewhere. Um, and he's like, dude, what's wrong with your arm? I was like, what? And I look down, and my arm is literally dripping with blood. I'm like, oh my god! Um, yeah, so I had, like, sliced open my arm. And I, again, it was probably a thing that I probably should have had stitches for, but instead I went to Sheets, went to the bathroom in there, and just rinsed off my arm, and then asked if they had Band-Aids. And they didn't, and then that was okay. And then I got my food and went home and put Band-Aids on it. And everything was fine. <laughs> Yikes. Mine... I also, like, shredded my, my jeans to, like, yeah. there's holes everywhere, which I didn't even notice until the next day. And I'm like, oh, well, that was a bummer. Mine is, it's not so much, it's a weird scar, it's just it often, so it's it's right across kind of the center of my wrist. I don't know if it'll show up on video for YouTube, but it's, like, right here. Um, and people look at it and think it's a self-harm scar. Like, anyone that gets a good look at it is like, did you cut yourself? at some point, and I was like, no, though I understand why it looks like that, because it does. Um, all three of us, uh, at one point or another in our lives, worked at the same movie theater uh, in the town next to ours, um, which I don't think we've talked about much, but there's definitely some discussions to be had about that. Um, uh, and uh, I was working in concessions one day, and we made those little pretzel nuggets, those little kind of tater tot-sized mm-hmm. pretzel bites, which are delicious. Um, mm-hmm. And they they're, they go in essentially on like a like a grate with a handle that goes into a a toaster oven essentially and at one point i was walking by and whoever was taking the pretzels out uh, was not paying close attention to what they were doing and so with this 400 degree uh grate they just slammed it into the side of my arm um and like kind of in their panic kind of left it there for a second before i was able to pull away so it's actually a pretty bad burn um that uh, took months to heal that i probably should have gotten medical attention for but uh I didn't, because I didn't want to have to deal with that, so, <laughs> so it's just there. It's I a little less adventurous of a story. Scars from that place. I've got a handful of other small scars, like the from the oil, from the popcorn splashing back at you, and that sort of thing, but that's probably the most uh, noticed the one. Pop, the rogue popcorn kernels that come flying out yep. and are oh like, my God. burning hot and like, go yep. down your shirt. Smack <laughs> you in the face, yeah. 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 I also have a scar on my finger, a very small one, from cutting myself on one of the... Um, like popcorn machine filters. Oh yeah, I, I, so many small injuries. I mean, I had <laughs> it's mostly gone now, but I had some small burns from when uh, one of the nacho cheese things exploded on me. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. It was a uh, dangerous occupation working yes, at that movie yes. theater. Yeah, it was. I was lucky, and I managed to injure myself, so I didn't have to work in concessions. It's true. Yeah. It was great. 
And, uh, and then I finagled it even when I wasn't injured to be like, just keep it. Yeah, they I'll never made me Usher. Clean up so, the things, and it was great. Brief, I was always Usher. Was the brief best. aside, you know, Usher Usher was easily the best position you could have. It was the most physical. Usher, by the way, is, usually. usually there were exceptions. You had to yes. interact with the least amount of yeah. customers, which yeah. made that it that was that ideal. was why it was usually the best. It, it, uh, yes. By the way, Usher in this case means the guy who goes and cleans the theaters in between movies. Um, or, or team in most cases when it was extremely busy. I mean, it was never, it wasn't fun to be any job when it was extremely busy, but ushering was rough because then you were like sprinting between rows, like frantically scooping popcorn into a bucket so you could get it out of there. Um, and, uh, that was never good, but concessions was always worse in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I yep, don't I box, box office and, and greeting were, were both fine, but cause they were just pretty easy, but there's usually only yeah. a couple people doing that. So. Fairly rare. All right. Um, which would be harder for you to give up, coffee or alcohol? Mm. Alcohol, because I don't really drink coffee. Oh That's God. For you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like coffee, but I I drink it rarely. So for the past like three or four years, I have given up alcohol for at least a month at a time at some point during the year, and not really had much of an issue with it. I have not not had coffee in many a year <laughs> yeah so my, i think um, it would just by default be harder but i think long term i would rather give up coffee i had a similar thing where for the first five-ish months of 2019 i gave up drinking because i gained a lot of weight and because i was starting a job but that had a very like drinky culture and so i was like let me just back out of that um and that actually wasn't too bad um, but that was kind of when I discovered coffee. <laughs> it sort of filled the <laughs> void. Um, and so I, I think it would honestly be coffee for me because I drink it most work days now. Um, yeah. And uh, just, it helps me get through the day now. I definitely kind of get withdrawal headaches if I yeah. don't have oh, it. Yeah. If I have it like mm -hmm. too late in the day or yeah. something. Um, a lot of times on Saturday, like, like I'll have gotten a good night's sleep and I'll be fine on like a weekend. And then I'll just be like, my head really hurts. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll drink a Coke and be fine. So well, Coke go. is not coffee. Yeah, well, it's so caffeine. caffeine yeah, caffeine or if you had said caffeine or alcohol, that would change because I usually do have like a soda at lunch. I'm actually drinking the Pepsi right yeah, now. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I, I think that's I'm the exhausted. Crux of the question. Yeah, I drink zero soda, so I would happily give that yeah. up. <laughs> but I've also like sort of like what you said. I've gone through month longs, like several month long spurts where I just give up caffeine altogether, and I can do that. Usually, I come back to it just because it's convenient. Um. But if it's, yeah, coffee, I drink sort of rarely. So that would be much easier for me to give up. All right. I'll do one last relatively quick question here. Uh, where is your favorite place to go on a weekday afternoon when you have no plans or obligations? We'll say for the purpose of this, let's assume it's nice weather, too. And non-pandemic? Is sure. it non-pandemic? Yeah. Sure. In the before times. Definitely a brewery. <laughs> Doesn't really matter which one, honestly. <laughs> Brewery is a good choice. Uh, I think it would kind of depend on my mood, because sometimes I might want to do something active, so like go to the driving range or play golf. Um, or I would play frisbee. Or like go play a sport that I'm playing. Yeah, usually some, usually somewhere I can socialize with people in some sort of way. Yeah, do we need be... some, we need we need more like parameters. Like, are you with yeah. people or are you by yourself? Up to you. It's an activity that of your choice. Okay, but if it's a weekday afternoon, presumably most of my friends would be working. Presume, I, I would assume this is either going to be you or a small group. Okay. Yeah, small group, definitely, like, go to a local brewery somewhere and just sit outside. 
if it was just me, I would probably go for a walk slash run around. There's a pond near where Chris and I live called Fresh Pond. Mm-hmm. It's a very pretty running trail. So I'd probably like go walk slash run around that and then probably treat myself to like a snack of some kind. <laughs> this will surprise nobody, but uh, my workshop is my happy place. Yeah. <laughs> um, although if it's going somewhere else, going out, um, <laughs> depending on w- when it would be open, um, I like uh, antiquing or, or flea markets, that sort of thing. Not necessarily to buy anything, I think it's just fun to look at all the, the wacky stuff people have. So that would be good. Yeah, we're just walking around a, a park or, or local area. So there you go. Alright, I think that's enough of those, but there are like 600, or no, 400 more of those questions that we can uh, get into if we ever feel like. A lot of them are pretty good. Some of them are stupid, but a lot of them are pretty good. Um, <laughs> what is your name? That is yeah, a good question to ask. It's an important question. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not necessarily stupid as a first date question, but they were kind of unhelpful for our purposes. Um, yeah. Like, one of them is shark diving, bungee jumping, or skydiving. Well, Chris and I have both been skydiving, so that... <laughs> Mostly, and it would still also, be skydiving. Yes, it would still be Yes, if you if if it was life and death situation, out of all those, I would probably do bungee jumping, but I would hate every second of it. <laughs> I, yeah, there's also what is your favorite Wikipedia article? Or oh, that's very easy. The emu war. Yes, I mean that's the correct answer. The great emu war, but that's that's the correct answer. Go if, on Wikipedia, everyone, and search the great emu war. I'd like to point out that I I. Introduced. Jeff shared this with yes. me many years ago, and I have told everyone I know about it. Probably, it is so. both. It is both the best thing on Wikipedia and simply the best uh, thing that has ever happened in the world. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's it's a. All right, I've I pulled it up so I can read this after this. Chris, you've definitely over. read this before. I'm sure. You? I'm sure you were involved in this conversation. Anyway, um, but a handful of those. Uh, it's not familiar. Maybe. <laughs> But whatever. All right, who would like to go ahead and give us our first uh, prompt slash situation? I can slash start. Uh, mine is not a specific person with a specific question, but it is kind of a funny question, and I thought it would be interesting to talk about. Um, this was on Reddit, and it starts: Do you poop with the door open around your partner or spouse? Just curious to see if others are that comfortable with their partner or spouse. My wife doesn't mind shitting with the door open, which I found odd at first, but I've gotten used to now. I only keep the door open if we are talking about something. What do you do? If there's no one home, I still close the door. Yeah. Pooping is (laughs) me time. Pooping is me time. Close that door. What if a a bear comes and looks through the window, Nikki? (laughs) The bear might see me pooping. I don't know. Can't That's a habit that. thing. I literally live in like I have my own bathroom in my apartment. I live. I'm the, I'm the only person upstairs. So there's like another door leading to just my area, and I can have all those things. If no one's home and my downstairs door is closed, I still close the door to my bathroom <laughs> when I'm using so the bathroom. I, I do the same thing. Uh-oh. So I live. I live by myself. I don't think I have ever, unless there was someone over pooped with the door closed to my bathroom. <laughs> That's madness to me, and I hate that I know that. Why? There's literally no one here. What if a bear looks through the window? I live on the third floor. I don't it's think a, a bear, very tall bear. A very tall bear. <laughs> um, but anyway, in past relationships, I don't think I've ever 
pooped with the door open, but I've definitely peed with and like while I was talking to them with the door open. I will happily talk while I'm pooping, just not with the door open. Um, <laughs> peeing probably I leave the door open. Probably it depends on the person, yeah. I guess. Um, I still usually wouldn't. I, pr- I try to I avoid would... even. Yeah. Generally speaking, out of habit, I'm going to close the door. Um, and I, that might just be because for the vast majority of my life, I have lived with other people and shared bathrooms with other people. The only time that wasn't true was during, during my junior and senior year of college, where I had my own bathroom. And yeah, I guess I guess I wouldn't have closed that as much, but I usually would have anyway. Yeah. That's so strange. I, I just... Well, I'll, like, be, like, watching TV or something, and I just, like, won't pause it, and I'll, like, go to the bathroom, and I can, like, hear it. In my old apartment, before I moved upstairs, I could see the TV from in the bathroom, which was very convenient. See, I almost (laughs) always watch Netflix on my computer, and I have Bluetooth headphones, so I can just wander on off wherever I want, and I'm still good. (laughs) But that's so strange to me. I know. Are you weird about, like, pooping in places that aren't your home? Yes. Yes. What?! I've gotten better. What I what I if it's a place where I go up and like in college there was like four places around campus where that I designated as like the good bathrooms, and that's where I went. Like I, so I was in a choir and so I always went in the music building because like three people ever went in that bathroom and it was also designed to be like public facing more than a lot of uh, bathrooms were. So it was really nice. So that was one. Um, See, this yeah, is I found I found my comfortable. When people, like, tell me that they, like, only poop at home or, like, only poop in specific places, I'm like, when I have to poop, I have to poop. Like, I, I mean, yeah. Like, like I'll go. I used to be I used <laughs> to be a little more fastidious. Like, I'll go wherever. But if I have the choice of going with a place I'm reasonably comfortable with and in some random stranger bathroom, I'm going to take the place I'm familiar with every time. Oh, yeah. I'm go no, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the same way. If I can wait till I'm home, I wait till I'm home. What's yeah. the issue? I, I mean, I, like, poop anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I poop at work pretty much every day, honestly. Because in the like, bathroom, I usually I poop after in the yes in the bathroom at work. It's um, everywhere, anywhere. I I always have to poop after my coffee in the morning. And well, yeah, I'll poop at work, at work because that's a familiar place. But I like your poop work at is also your home. Yeah, I'll poop in public restrooms. But it'll usually take me like a week to poop at work. Cause, you know, I need to like acclimate. Well, like you're on the toilet for a week. Yes. The people who, like, I know people who only poop at home, and I'm like, how do you just walk around holding your poop in all day? Like, that's, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you just, yeah, the other thing is, if your diet is fairly regular, and you're a pretty regular person, you'll have a schedule you can, you'll be familiar with, so you're not going to get also, surprise yeah. poops. When, so back in the days when we went home to work, I was on a schedule, it was like usually one of the first things I did when I got home. That's like when I had to poop, so that's what I do. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, I have my I have but my you morning. You could get paid to poop. No, the, I, I'm happy to pay. I'm I'm happy to work at poop. In, at well, poop, you live. At work. You work in your house. Yeah, but even before yes. that, even when that wasn't the case. Well, the best thing in my job in in uh, Texas when I worked in the, the state capitol there, um, they had like the public restrooms, but they also had like the staff only restrooms, and those were top notch. Those were great, except the one near our office. I don't know what it was, but the to- the toilet in the big handicap stall would constantly fall off the wall, so I had to stop using that one because I was just constantly afraid that I'd be mid poo and uh, get flung to the ground <laughs> unceremoniously. Now, being the Texas House of Representatives, uh, P- 
people of a more horizontally triumphant nature are pretty heavily represented there, uh, so that probably has something to do with it. Uh, but, you know, you live and learn. <laughs> That's, what an interesting way of phrasing that. Horizontally triumphant. Oh. I personally don't think you should ever be uncomfortable pooping in front of someone you are in a relationship with. People are different. Also, like, I feel like once you have kids and or pets, they will always want to be in the bathroom with you when you are doing anything, so. Skittles never wants to be in the bathroom. She doesn't want to be in the room with me, period, most of the time. If I close a door in my apartment, the cats get immediately so angry about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think this household. This is as much a, a cat thing that as it is a, a personality thing for you. No, but I think even if I didn't have cats, I would definitely just poop with the door open. Like there's Madness. no one here, it doesn't matter. I'm about to buy my own house. I will have my own property. People won't be <laughs> it within many feet of me at any given point, and I still will close the door when I poop. <laughs> so yeah, weird. Because do, because you know. there's a reasonable chance that a bear will look through the window and see me. <laughs> so what? Nikki, I can't have the bears knowing that I poop. That's illegal. Everybody poops. Nope. Anyway, who wants to go next? <laughs> yeah, I forgot we're actually doing... Yeah, I think, <laughs> think we're just we have... About just poop. Just talking about poop. Everything comes down to poop. All right, I can go. Uh, this is, again, I think, not this... It is actually a situation, but I think it's more a, a stepping point for more conversation. All right. Um, no ages or anything, um, but narrator is a man. Um, so I broke up with my girlfriend a month after she said that she wants to be a guy. So let me just start this by saying that I do support LGBTQ plus and everything. We had been together for a couple of years, and she said to me at the beginning of this year that she said that she wanted to be a guy. I personally played it cool, saying things like, I still love you the same and stuff like that. But as, as time went on, I knew I wasn't gay. And I just don't like men, period, even if it's a girl saying that they're a guy. I don't know if I'm a dick for thinking that, but that's just how I personally feel. And in the beginning of this month, I told them I wasn't gay and all that and how I felt. They sure didn't sound very happy about that. And then they left with the message, you know, you know what, I'm done with this. I feel like I didn't leave properly in that I didn't really ever break up with them. Should I go apologize about everything, clear things and things and clear some things up, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to seem like I still like them or just to be annoying. Okay, so this is tricky. Also, I'm glad that the narrator switched to what I assume is the proper pronouns at the end of that, because I was getting a little worried at the beginning. Um, I forgot to say the caveat. I'm sort of reading what this is, because it can be right. very confusing getting the pronouns proper. So if I didn't, yeah. if I didn't, or they didn't do that correctly... Uh, well, they were saying she and girlfriend at the beginning, and then also saying wants to be a boy, and I was like, well, that's kind of like a weird way to phrase it. I think anyway. it's just poor. I think it's just poorly phrased, but that's yeah. yeah, that is what it is. Um. So, first of all, I do not fault this person. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a tricky situation because it, you're with someone you care about, but everybody has their, you know gender identity and sexual preferences and who they're attracted to and who this person he's with is becoming is not fitting that. I understand there are some people who can like 
it's it's all about the personality and it's all about the person and gender doesn't matter at all but for a lot of people it does and i think that's totally fair i think maybe leaving it just the hanging wasn't the best idea um and it is worth a conversation and like look i really care about you but this is just you know it's not the kind of person i'm attracted to and i want to be your friend and i want to be part of your life but i can't like be in a romantic relationship with you and i think that's i think that's fair it's obviously tough and it's it's hard to know the right thing to say all the time in situations like this yeah i think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there because i very much agree that i don't think there's anything wrong with that like you said gender identity is important but at the same time people have sexual preferences and if gender identity of your romantic partner changes, that can be, you know, problematic and it's not anyone's fault. Um, and sort of like you said, I think it's I think it's probably important that you go on and clear it up and be like, hey, it's not like I don't like you. It's just physically I can't. This isn't going to work as a romantic relationship. If this is a friendship, I still want to support you. I still want to be there for you. I think that's an important thing to go back and say and make sure that it's not like, oh, you're transitioning that's gross i don't like that because that's not acceptable in that case yeah i think you could definitely be supportive without having to remain romantically entangled and you know and maybe those feelings are still there down the road and you realize like oh like it doesn't matter about their gender like i love them because of who they are um and that's great but also you know that may not happen and that's totally fine as well um I think you just have to be as honest and straightforward and kind as you can. And yeah, definitely, you know, put some closure on it for them. Don't kind of like leave this hanging the way it is. It sounds like it didn't end on a great note. So, yeah. And then one thing I'll just throw in there and I'm trying to phrase this carefully because I want to make sure I'm being clear is that it's okay to be straight and be, you know, yeah. That's, that's that's your thing. That's what I was saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because I do, I do feel like sometimes in the the uh, dialogue about uh, gay rights and LGBTQ LGBTQ plus rights, um, there's a lot of times this sort of um, I don't know what you'd call it, like straight guilt, sort of the equivalent of white guilt, but applied to the sexuality conversation. And you know, I think it's important that there's a straight privilege and that you recognize that you know there's certain things in life that are gonna be easier for you no matter what um but it's also that's what if that's what you are then that's what you are and you don't have to feel shame for you know loving who you love no matter who that is um and so yeah i think i think this person in the the story is probably a little bit worried about coming across as transphobic which is understandable because again it's a tricky and delicate situation for sure but being straight is not inherently transphobic and you shouldn't worry about that and if it's not someone you're attracted to then i think you can say that um, concisely and, and not be in the wrong. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because we haven't seen right. any scenarios like this. I think, like I said, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with what this guy did, but I thought it was an interesting topic to bring up because it is, sure. I want to say it's, I guess it's more commonplace, more accepted for these sorts of situations to be happening. So we're gonna th- these things are going to start popping up probably, I would I would assume, more than they have in the past. And I think it's sort of important that this is something that is talked about and that, like you said, it's okay to be straight, but also depending on the nature of the relationship, see what happens. 
Agreed. Yeah, I don't want to be that person who's like, I have friends that are trans, but, like, I do. And, you know, they're just, I don't consider them my trans friends. I consider them my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, you know, any other person that, you know, I love and care about. And, you know, I, of course, want them to always feel accepted. But I think for me, the best way to do that is to not think of them any differently. It's just they're a human. And they're living who they are. And that's, you know, it's brave and terrifying, I'm sure. And, you know, anything I can do to be a supportive friend, like, I will do. Um, But yeah, I think all we can all we can do as, you know, straight allies is be supportive. uh, Don't assume things, ask questions when we need to, um, but also don't always rely on them to give us the answers to everything. Like we can do our own research as well. Um, And, you know, just be there for them and be a friend and be a good human being. (laughs) Don't be an asshole. It's as simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be an asshole. Good rule to live by. Exactly. All right. Well, I have, this is a real humdinger. I don't even know if there's anything to be said about it, but I just think I want to put this out in the air. Uh, so this is another one from, from good old Prudence. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is, uh, I believe it's a man. Um, I don't think ages are mentioned specifically. Okay. Uh, when my wife and I met in college, the attraction was immediate, and we quickly became inseparable. We had a number of things in common. We came from the same large metro area, and we both wanted to return there after school, so everything was very natural between us. We married soon after graduation, moved back closer to our families, and had three children by the time we were 30. We were both born to lesbian couples, or sorry, we were both born to lesbians, she to a couple and me to a single woman. She had sought out her biological father as soon as she turned 18, as the sperm bank her parents used allowed contact once the children were 18, if both parties consented. I never was interested in learning about that for myself, but she felt if we were cheating, or sorry, but she felt we were cheating our future children by not learning everything we could about my past too. Well, our anniversary is coming up, and I decided to go ahead and as a present to my wife, see if my biological father was interested in contact as well. He was, and even though our parents had used different sperm banks, it appears so did our father, as he is the same person. On the one hand, I love my wife more than I can say, and logically, done is done, we already have children. I have had a vasectomy, so we won't be having any more, so perhaps there is no harm now in continuing as we are. But I can't help but think, this is my sister, every time I look at her now. I haven't said anything to her yet, and I don't know if I should or not. Where do I go from here? I am tempted to burn everything I got from the sperm bank and just try to forget it all, but I'm not sure if I can. Please help me figure out where to go from here. Oh, dear. Yeah. Jesus Christ almighty. Okay. Well, first of all, you're never going to be able to forget this. I can tell you that. Yeah, Pandora's box is open on that front. (laughs) Yes. And I also don't think it's something you want to keep secret because it could have health impact on your children. If it hasn't already, it might later in life. Gronk is currently trying to get into my sweatshirt pocket. Sorry. (laughs) What are you doing? Um... (laughs) Uh, so I think it's important that he does tell his wife and they, you know, maybe speak to a doctor about what they should be looking out for in terms of their children. Other than that, like, it's probably going to suck. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I'm going to say, I don't I, know. this is I bad. Don't, I don't know what you can really do. You're never going to look at that person the same again. Like, it's just not possible. Also, I'll just throw this out there because... Let's assume the kids are healthy and that's done. And when they're... Because te- technically they're half-siblings. So 
there's less odds than if they were, you know, full siblings that Correct. their kids are uh, have issues. Um, not to say it's impossible um, or even yeah. unlikely, but he didn't say that their kids have any serious issues that can be tied to that or anything, but who knows? Um, watch out for like hemophilia though, because that's a thing. Um, functionally, at least socially speaking, this person is not your sister. Um, you know, you were biologically. Yes. And that's a different can of worms, but I think there's this weird attachment. It's, it, yeah. Cause you were both, ado- uh, not adopted, but you're both, uh, you know, uh, sperm bank kids. Um, you were raised in completely different households by completely different families. Um, you had no interaction as siblings ever. You still haven't, technically. You know, I, I think, again, it's important to, to deal with the health ramifications if there are any, which, again, there might not be. Who knows? Um, but I, it's certainly weird, and I would probably have some trouble coming to terms with it, but I don't think that has to be a relationship ender either, especially if you know you're not going to have any more kids. Um might not be something you'd want to tell your kids immediately just because there's going to be stigma associated with that. Um, but again, you had no way of knowing. Um, and it's not fair to blame yourself for that or to blame either of you for that. Cause it's not your fault. I don't know. Yeah, I, feel I like I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. Cause I'm always preaching honesty, but I don't think you ever tell the kids. No, I think you yeah. have to eventually. Well, especially if health issues come up. Well, um, I guess. And I also think, because, yeah, I think, you know, and yeah. also because kids do Ancestry.com or whatever, they're going to find out their own way eventually. Um, because they're <laughs> the, it's going to come up with some weird DNA stuff <laughs> at a certain point. Um, I just imagine if our parents told us they were half-siblings. like. I mean, look, again, it, it doesn't change anything about, about what's done. You know, to a degree, what's done is yeah. done. You have to decide going forward whether you can live with that or not. You might not be able to, right. and that's what it is. Um, but, but either way, like you have kids with this person, you're going to be seeing them for the rest of your life. Yeah. Your, your lives are forever intertwined regardless of your biological relationship. Um, and again, and again, I think the stigma of this, it's very different from like having children with someone that you know is your sister or like having an intimate relationship with someone like, you know, for a fact is your sister. Like that's got social stigma for good reason because there's all sorts of nonsense there. Um, but this is like I don't really see there being a social problem with it. It's not something I'd go trumpeting from the rooftops, but you know, it's like I don't think anyone any reasonable person is going to be like, "Wow, how dare you?" Yeah, I don't know. It's it's certainly a tough situation, but again, I don't necessarily see this as being a, a an ender. I've been trying to yeah, like formulate gonna... what I would do in the situation, and I have not been able to because I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't think it's something you can formulate within a matter of minutes, you know? Yeah. It's probably going to take them, I mean, they're, it's probably going to take them the rest of their lives to, like, sort out a way to live with it, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be probably constantly evolving that. Yeah, I mean, it's scary. I, I agree with Jeff. I don't think it necessarily needs to be a relationship ender, um, especially since, like, maybe if it was pre-them having kids, I would, you know, maybe treat it differently, but... It's like <laughs> the worst thing yeah. that, you know, that you could have already done, you did. Uh, I don't want to say worst, like having kids is terrible, but like. Right. It's something you probably would have avoided if you had no. Right. <laughs> prior, you know. Yeah, it's tough. I like honestly don't even know what to tell this person. Um, yeah, I mean. Other I... than you just got to figure out if you can live with it. 
yeah. knowing this person is going to be in your life forever anyway. And if you're not planning on having many more kids anyway, like it's going to be weird, but if you can get past it, then you know, all the more power to you. Yeah. And I also think it's worth, I doubt there's any counselors who specifically deal with this sort of issue, but someone who deals with reproductive technology or, or things of that nature where they at least have some like scientific basis for, for, you know, uh, familiarity of the, the process um, yeah. might be worth going and have a few conversations. I'm pretty sure I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure in Iceland um, because the population is so small and insular that they actually, it's pretty common practice when you start dating someone to go and look and make sure you're not secretly cousins or something because that, yeah. apparently that's like a pretty common thing that can happen. And just because people have a much more uh, homogeneic appearance there than, than they do in a lot of other parts of the world. Um, so it's a little harder to tell by sight. It's super interesting to me that, like, of all the people in all the world that they could have, like, met and fell in love with, like, it's their half-sibling. They just didn't know. And there is something to be said about that. Like, there is, like, a biological connection there. Yeah. Um, um, it's very it's very crazy how that happens yeah but i mean it makes sense they had another things in common they came from the same large metro area they both had lesbian parents like there was similarities yeah. in their upbringing because of the situation again not anyone's yeah. fault but uh yeah it's it's tricky i mean the one thing i know in my life is before i have kids with anyone uh you know assuming it's planned um i would have to do some testing just because i believe nikki and i are both carriers of a fairly rare uh, blood condition that can cause pretty serious issues if the the other person uh, the other parent has it um so that would yeah. be something i would just be keeping an eye out for anyway but that's just sort of a fact of my life that's what i was gonna say too yeah like it's too late now but like for you know other people who might be listening like before you have kids i think you should definitely get um you know, genetic testing done sure. and have your partner get it done and just make sure there's no, you know, weird overlaps that are going to be an issue. It's just better to be safe than sorry in these situations, yeah. especially like, you know, with kids involved. That's not to say yeah, you should I, expect like, that everyone you date is going to be your half sibling, but. Uh. Exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, the odds of that happening are extremely tiny, but. But I think it's just, like, better to be safe than sorry for a number of reasons, not just that, obviously. Um, but, like, we have a lot of, like, weird diseases in our family, and who knows what else is in there. Um, we we think we know about most of it, but who knows. So. And that's probably true of most families, too. Just Yeah. yeah. There's probably a, people who don't, like, know nothing about, you know, diseases and things that yeah. they might have been carrying forever. And, you know, better just... to be safe than sorry. But, yeah, that was... Those are two really interesting ones. I was like, <laughs> I felt the most unqualified I've ever felt in an episode, I think. <laughs> there you go. I felt very qualified talking about pooping with the door open, but... <laughs> well, on you this are an expert on that, yes. apparently. I am apparently undisputed an master. Apparently the only one in our family who does it, which is very odd to me. That's still wild. I'm very private about a lot of things, but not that. <laughs> but also, like, I won't poop with the door open if there's someone in my apartment. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that went without saying, but I'm just not going to pull, I'm just Unless not going to pull the like, door open. If, like, I've lived with partners, and I've definitely, like, not had it, like, wide open, but, like, had it open to crack, so it'd be, like, having a conversation while I was in the bathroom, and they were in the bathroom. Okay, I guess, like, I, I guess, here's fine. part, going back to this, we're getting back on to this. The, <laughs> I'm, like, very stuck on this issue. <laughs> part of my logic, I'm not saying it's rational, but part of my logic uh, 
is that if I'm, say, in my b- bathroom with the door open and then an axe murderer breaks in, I'm just sitting there pooping. I mean, what a, what a mess. If the door's closed, at least I have a couple seconds to compose myself before I get axe murdered. Or in maybe a less dramatic situation. Or maybe in a less dramatic... Oh, yeah, it matters. If if I die to an axe murderer, I don't want the obituary to be like, and he was pooping, his pants were down, <laughs> he was not prepared for the situation. Uh, That'd be a weird obituary. It would be. It would be. Yeah, I don't think they would do that. But let's, let's forget the axe murderer thing. What if the plumber has to come by and someone else lets him into the building, like if I live with a roommate or something, and I'm just not ready for that, and... I'm sitting there pooping. I don't know. I would rather just have the door closed because then I have a minute. I have that extra barrier to compose myself against the external well, threats. That's what I mean. The if there was a chance that someone was going to like appear in my apartment, there's I'd always a chance that but someone's going to appear in your apartment. It could happen yeah. at any time in any place. Get in through the outside door to the building, and then also into my apartment door. I don't know. What if it's your landlord? I don't think it's strange what you do, Nikki, and I don't know why you think it's so strange that you close the door. It's literally just like, I go to the bathroom and close the door. Oh. This is like, this is like the standing versus sitting to wipe conversation, where it's very polarizing. I've actually seen that before. All right, well, I think that's going to have to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thank you again for listening to this episode of Thoroughly Unqualified. If you or anyone you know have... If you or anyone you know have any uh, relationship, life, uh, or other struggles, feel free to shoot us an email at thoroughlyunqualified at gmail.com or DM us on our Instagram page, thoroughlyunqualified, um, to let us know of those issues so that we can feature them in our next episode. Um, I think that's about everything. Uh, we are planning on having a, a Thanksgiving drunk episode in probably about two weeks here, uh, which should be just a blast for everyone involved. So look forward cool. to that. Bye. Bye. Bye.